I suppose that the most monumental thing that has happened in the last 20 years of my life has been the COVID epidemic, pandemic. Probably a fair statement. I, I might go back to 9-11. That, that, that changed things in, in a pretty big way. If I, if I went back another 20 years, I might think about, or maybe 15 years, I might think about um, the, the, the fall of the Iron Curtain and, and those things that were going on that, that, got, that changed our world. But, but in recent history, I don't know of anything more impactful than this little five-letter word called COVID. And, and the truth is that everybody has an opinion about COVID. Uh, you all have opinions about COVID. They're not all the same, by the way. Um, and I know that because we love to share our opinions about COVID and what we think it is and where we think it came from and how we think things people ought to respond to it. Um, everybody know, everybody tracking with, with where I'm at? And, and I'm thinking in my mind about the source of COVID. Where did COVID come from? That in and of itself can be a controversial topic, right? Uh, once again, everybody's got opinions about where this thing came from. And I don't know what, 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 what you're thinking or, 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 or what, sort of, you know, you, what sort of video you, you want me to watch or article you want me to read, but, but I want to tell you that I know where COVID came from. I know where it came from. It came from Satan. I believe that with all my heart. Now, I heard a preacher just a few weeks ago say, well, it didn't, this thing didn't come from Satan. I think he was wrong. Here's why I say that. Because for all that COVID has turned the world upside down, brethren, there has been nothing. There has been no tool that the devil has used in his tool bag that has done more damage to the Lord's body all across our land and all across our world and even right here in our house than this thing called COVID. It is a tool of the devil. It is a tool of Satan. And I think that as a church, we need to become comfortable calling that for what it is. Not just about COVID, but, but about so many other things. But yet there's a, there's a hesitancy within our minds to attribute almost anything to Satan. I guess we're, we're, we're taught from a very young age that we're not supposed to say, well, the devil made me do it. Tucker, if you go in and you try to, try to explain to your mom, well, the devil made me do it, what's she going to say? She's, Jacob, ask Jacob, he'll tell you. She's not going to buy it, Okay. That's not a legitimate excuse. The devil didn't make you do anything, right? And we might look at places like James chapter 1 and how you're led away by, by, by your own desires and things of that nature. But, but we're kind of taught, just don't say that the devil made me do it. But, but I think that sometimes that we move from don't say that the devil made me do it to not saying that the devil does anything. And that would be a grave mistake. Because over and over in, in the New Testament, we seem to have an openness and a willingness to, attrib to, to attribute a great number of things to Satan. In particular, in particular, whenever we see someone striving to serve God, whenever we see someone striving to do something in the name of God or for the glory of God, and they find themselves hindered in those activities... Do you know who the word constantly points at? That's Satan. That's Satan. I thought in my mind about Paul as, as, he, 
as he wrote to the church and to the brethren at Thessalonica. And Paul was trying to explain why he hadn't been, why he hadn't been to Thessalonica. And there were always people who kind of had their feelings hurt about whether Paul came or Paul did not come. And so he was always constantly, um, always and constantly, I'm just running words together. He was always having to defend himself and to explain himself. And Paul writes, just in, in general in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18, he says, we wanted to come to you. Paul says, I wanted to come to the church there that meets in Thessalonica. Even I, Paul, time and again... But Satan hindered us. Paul seems to be really comfortable to say, let me tell you about why we were not able to come. Satan is the answer why we were not able to come. Now more than likely he's talking about just a set of circumstances that surrounded him in his life. But he wants wants to be really clear. The things that kept him from this, well it was nothing more than Satan himself. I don't think that Paul was on the road to, to Thessalonica. I don't think he found himself on that, I'm pretty sure Thessalonica, it's on what, what they call about the, uh, the Ignatian Way, one of those great Roman roads that would run to the line. And, and I don't think that Paul was on his way, and then all of a sudden, right there in the middle of the road, there was this guy with a, with, with a, a pitchfork and a tail and a red jumpsuit that was just standing there saying, you're not going to pass here. You think that's what happened? No, I don't think that's what happened at all. I think Paul's just saying, I wanted to come. I see the value in coming. I would still like to come, but I haven't been able to. It's Satan. It's Satan. I am actively attempting to serve the Lord and grow closer to the Lord, but something is getting in my way. Well, we'll call that Satan. We'll give him credit for that. I can't give him credit for making me do something, but I can give him credit for getting in the way of a whole lot of good things. That's what's happened in the world today. He's gotten in the way of a whole lot of good things. Over in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to to perhaps, no, not perhaps, to undertake the, the, greatest, the greatest instance of devotion and self-sacrifice that the world would ever see. He's going to Jerusalem to die. And this is not easy for him to do. We picture him there in the garden, pleading with his father, crying out with, with loud tears and loud cries, the Hebrew writer would say. He's struggling with this, but yet, but yet he wants to do this. He's determined to do this. He's purposefully driven in his life. And he's trying to prepare even his disciples for this, that he must go to Jerusalem and he must die. And you'll remember, you'll remember when he starts to, to teach them this, that, that, Peter gets it, that Peter stands up with all of his vim and vigor, and, and he takes him aside and he begins to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. You ever, you ever had someone try to talk you out of doing something that you knew was the right thing? Now, I've had people try to talk me out of bad decisions before. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who is, who is striving to give everything, not easily. They're, they're struggling with this, but they're willing, they're, they're wanting to do this. 
I want to be discouraged. And I think about how many, I think about how many young men, how many young ladies have wanted to serve the Lord in, in more of an, of, of an official way. People that have wanted to go into ministry to be preachers of the Word. People that have wanted to go overseas to, to share the Gospel in foreign lands. Only to find their greatest discouragement from their own family. I can give you names. I can give you addresses. I can probably give you family pictures if you'd like. It's a reality. I'm trying to do what's right, and you're trying to discourage me in that? You ever have those moments when, when you're growing in your faith, but maybe others are uncomfortable with the level of devotion that, that you're proposing? And you need to slow down. That's too extreme. That's too much. You're going to give what to the Lord? You're going to go where? You, you, you need to calm this thing down. That's what's happening with Peter and Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, and what does he say? You get behind me, Satan. You think he forgot his name was Peter? No, I don't think he did. But Jesus looks him eye to eye and he says, I'm going to tell you what you are. You're just Satan in the flesh. That's what you are. I mean, it's a pretty bold statement. But what he was trying to encapsulate here is this idea that you're fighting against God. And you don't know it. You think, you think you're trying to protect me, but what you're really doing is you're serving Satan himself. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. It's kind of like what we talked about this morning, where, where people's, people's minds and, they, and their thoughts center in a very earthly way, and a failure to consider the spiritual realities that are there. That's exactly where Satan wants us to be. Satan was there in the temple that day, don't you think? Don't you know that Satan was there in the temple? Satan comes to church. I promise you that he does. He doesn't, he doesn't, mind. He doesn't mind if you go to church. Really, he doesn't mind if you, if you come and sit in this building. What he doesn't want is for you to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what was happening in the life of Jesus. Maybe some different ways, and maybe you could add, maybe you could add to these things, some ways that Satan works in the world today. Maybe some places that we need to say, you know what? You know what that is? That's Satan. Now, now why, why, do, why do I say that? I, I, I think identifying Satan for who he is and what he is helps us with our response. Because I'm... <laughs> Peter's just kind of being Peter, right? I mean, that's just kind of how he is. He's always saying stuff that's a little bit too brash, and you kind of got you kind of got to give him some slack on those things. But it's a whole other thing when uh, instead of saying that's instead of saying that that's Peter being Peter, no, that's Satan. All of a sudden, it's like, well, I'm not going to listen to that. I might be tempted to listen to Peter. I am not tempted to listen to listen to Satan. Not if I know that's who he is. He disguises himself, you know. But if I begin to identify these things for what it is, what's keeping me? What's keeping me from going to Thessalonica? 
well, you know, there's just kind of a lot of stuff going on, and I got this, and I got that. It's a, we, we have these discussions all the time about, about why we can't do this, or we can't do that. We've had a lot in the last two years, haven't we? And I'm not, I'm not saying these aren't real things. They were very real things for Paul. They literally had kept him from doing that. But you want to know what they were? Satan. He was hindered by Satan. All of a sudden, I'm going to fight a little bit harder. I'm going to fight a little bit more directly against these things. So Satan comes into our lives in, in a number of ways. The, the example there from, from 1 Thessalonians, that sometimes he comes in the form of, of difficult circumstances. Man, what's, what's keeping me from this? I, I don't know. Maybe something for us to think about and talk about, but I think Satan works in a mighty way just through our circumstances. And when, when, when you think about um, the reasons that we cannot be more holy or the reasons we are not more dedicated or the reasons that we don't grow in our faith, and we all have those conversations. Every one of us have those conversations. You, you try to think about how we express those things. And usually it's a whole lot of generic stuff we talk about, isn't it? Well, you know, we got this and we got that. And every, we all have those conversations, right? Well, many times it's just Satan. It's just Satan. Satan can come, can come in the form of temptation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul was concerned about the church there. I mean, obviously, he had a relationship with them. But, but he says, For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor should be in vain. Things happen. Things happen to people and their faith. Have we not seen that? I mean, not just the last two years, but if you've lived any, any amount of life, you, you've heard about brothers and sisters in Christ who were once strong in the Lord and now no longer walk with the Lord. Right? Real names, real people. In this room, out of this room. What happened? Well, on some level... On some level, they were tempted by the tempter, and they gave in to the temptation. And this reality that as surely as I will face temptation, you will face temptation, and my son will face temptation, and my wife will face temptation, and my daughter will face temptation. We always face temptation. Satan makes sure of it. Doesn't that kind of make you mad? Doesn't it make you mad, people that mess with children? Does that make you mad? That'll make you mad. There's some sickos in this world today. They mess, they mess with children. And they, uh, you can talk later about what ought to be done to them, but it's, but it, it's, it's just, just ugh, ought to kind of make your blood pressure go up a little bit. What about the fact that Satan is messing with you and messing with your family and messing with your children? And by messing, I mean tempting tempting them to sin, which will separate them from God and condemn them to hell for all of eternity. To put it bluntly, that's his goal. That's what Satan does. So sometimes when, when we face temptation, we just need to call it for what it is. Oh, that's Satan. That's Satan. Next time, do this this week. Maybe pick a day. Every, every, every time you see something that you think might, might be a temptation, just, just call it for what it is. Saw Satan today. Where'd you see him? Saw Satan on the TV. Saw Satan in the hallway. 
Saw Satan on my phone. Saw Satan at Walmart. Saw, um, right? All of a sudden, just, just reframing the way that, that, that you're thinking. That's how Satan works. Satan can work. He, he can work not only through temptation, if I had PowerPoint, but, but he, can, he can sometimes just work by, by affecting the things that are said about us. Paul writes when he gives the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, he says that, that, that the elder or the bishop must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. One of the ways that, that Satan can work in our lives is by attacking a man's reputation. They have people say things sometimes that are unkind, sometimes that are untrue. Where does that come from? Where does slander come from? Where does gossip come from? Anybody ever had anybody say anything that was unkind or untrue about you? I wish not, but probably so. Maybe even a brother or a sister in Christ. We say that it's really Satan. Satan is behind those things. Trying to tear people down and, 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 to, and to discourage people. Satan can, can incite division within the body. In Romans, in Romans chapter 16, Paul will, will write about division in the body. And, and it's true that there's place for division. Jesus says, don't, came, don't say I came to bring peace on earth, I came to bring a sword. I understand all of that. But I'll also tell you, I'll also tell you that most of, most of the division that I've seen within the church was not necessary division. It was just people fussing. It was just people having to have their own way. Y'all see any division like that? Shake your head up and down, look at the carpet, do whatever you need to do, but you have. It wasn't necessary. That's how Satan works. He divides. Romans 16, verse 17, I urge you, brethren... Keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teachings which you learn and turn away from them. Such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Where do divisive people come from? Well, you know, that's just, that's just Larry being Larry. No, that's Satan. That's what it is. That's Satan. All the way down to verse 20, where he brings these things to a conclusion, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You keep an eye on them. Don't let them impact you, because I'm telling you, one day the Lord's going to crush them. Satan works in that way. Satan works through, through deception. Over, over, in 2 Corinthians, over in 2 Corinthians, he talks about false teachings and false doctrines and that's not a popular idea in our world today but it's a very real idea um paul says paul says there in first corinthians 11 and verse 13 such men are false apostles deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of christ and no wonder for even satan disguises himself as an angel of light therefore it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end shall be according to their deeds. I, I haven't met too many people who told me that they worship Satan. One guy, it was creepy, and that's a story for another time. But most people, most people that I know have at least some reverence for God. 
But yet, why are there, is there so much division? Why are there so many religious bodies? Because Satan is smart. Satan disp- disguises himself as an angel. It's one of the reasons we're warned against not listening to angels, right? In the book of Galatians, right? Not if it, if, I don't care if an angel tells you something different than what we have here. Uh, I, I can remember um, a Bible study I was in, and someone was very adamant that they had received some sort of revelation from God, and I didn't even get into all that, but I just said, listen, wherever that came from, whatever spirit you got this from, um, it's not what the Holy Spirit said. Have you considered it some other kind of spirit? Because that's how Satan works. He deceives people. We have to be aware of that. That's why we put spirits to the test. Right? We better. You can't just listen to me. I can't just listen to you. I've got to turn to the Word of God. Because Satan, Satan will take advantage of us in, in those ways. Where do all of these difficulties come from? Well, so many ways that we can be hindered by Satan. Here's kind of the amazing thing in my mind. That in those moments where people are hindered by Satan, God is still there too. God is still there too. You you look at some of the great texts, like um, in our Wednesday night Bible class, we've been talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh there in there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, Paul says in verse 7, this is a messenger of Satan. Like this thing that's going on in my life. Maybe you've got a sickness in your life today. And there may be many things causing that sickness. Have you ever stopped to consider that it may just be, the, that it may just be Satan attacking you? That's what Paul said. Paul says, this is the messenger of Satan. But you read the context, he also says, this was given to me by God. In those moments when Satan hinders us, God uses us. God is there. He has not abandoned us. Paul would, Paul would write about the church at Thessalonica, where we, where we began just, just a few moments ago. But just because he couldn't go to Thessalonica, that didn't mean that Paul threw up his hands and said, well, I guess I can't do anything. I guess I'll just stay home. No. Paul went to other places and continued to preach and to teach and to do the will of God. Even when Satan hinders, that is not the end of the story. Even when Satan, even when Satan got one of Jesus' closest disciples to do his, his bidding, if you will, to discourage him from dying on the cross... It didn't stop him. It didn't stop him, and it ought not stop us. There are many things going on in this world that I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. I wish I did, but I don't have all the answers. Maybe try to act like I do with my family sometimes, but I don't know. But but I need to understand that there's so many things in this world that for whatever you might say about them, I want, to pre- I want to be really comfortable saying that's just Satan trying to get me, trying to get your soul and my soul and your children's souls and your grandchildren's souls and your dear, sweet mother and father's souls. He wants them all. He can't have them. He can't have them. I'm going to fight that fight. If I'm going to fight any fight, I'm going to fight that fight. 
Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, and put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There's a fight, but that's a fight that's worth, worth fighting. And it's a fight that we do not have alone. The Lord walks with us. That's why, young people, right? Our theme for Lads Leaders, we are strong and courageous. We fight that fight. We fight that battle. We call it what it is. There are those of you who are here who aren't walking with the Lord. There's always a story. This happens, that happens, this is going on. Okay, but at the end of the day, do you know why your soul has not been saved? It's Satan. It's Satan and his temptations and his circumstances and all those ways that he's trying to keep you from the Lord and you have given yourself over to him. Don't let him do that. Our lives get filled with anxiety and and, and we become so worked up and we fail to trust in the Lord. Why? Because that's exactly what Satan wants us to be. That's where he wants us. And once again, it's different in my mind to come from, well, that's just, you know, kind of the way life is to, no, that's what Satan is going for. One of those, I feel, you know, well, I can't do much about that. But you tell me that Satan is there. I'm, I'm ready to fight. I got to fight. Because Jesus fought for your soul. And Jesus fights for your soul. Protecting you even. Not allowing you to be tempted beyond what you are able you may think the Lord believes in you more than you believe in yourself, but that's good. Because that means the Lord believes in you. Show Him that there's a reason for that. Maybe that means you come to be baptized into Christ. Maybe it means you come to repent of sin. Maybe it means that you bear your burden and you, and you, allow, and you allow Him to carry it. You come. You fight against Satan. And this is the coolest thing. When you resist him, what's he going to do? He will flee from you if you are willing to resist. Be a part of the resistance of Satan tonight as we stand and as we sing.